You ready to study the word? Okay. I believe you. Let's go for it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's in your Old Testament. And so you're going to have to find, uh, I'm going to give you a second to find that. Uh, while you're doing that, um, I'm in a series of not being in a series. Uh, as ser silly as that sounds, if you've been around, you get what I'm saying. I'm not in a topical series right now. And uh, just um, I'm doing some standalone messages uh, as we kind of journey through the summer. And, and we do have some series that we'll be getting in in the fall that I'm really excited about. But I have been journeying through it and just uh, sharing messages that the, how the Lord has been uh, dealing with me and, and personal things that he's showing me and highlighting to me in his word. And so far uh, in this, the summer uh, series, that's not a series. Um, we've talked about Sabbath. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the priorities of a disciple. Uh, and, and if you've missed any, I, I want to encourage you just to, you can go to our website, you can uh, download the podcast and, and listen uh, to any message. And then if you find them helpful, share them with uh, someone uh, that you think would benefit from them. Today, the title of the message is Hearing God's Voice. Hearing God's voice. Some of the top questions that I get as a pastor uh, would be, Pastor, how do I hear God speaking? Uh, how does God still speak? I get that question. Does he even still speak? Uh, how do I know it's God's voice? Because I hear, I hear so much. We're so inundated. People ask me, how do I know that it's God's voice and not my own? Um, and, and then some people ask, well, who does God speak to? Uh, does he only speak to pastors? Does he only speak to leaders? And then they have to tell us. So uh, here's what I well, here's what I want you to know. Yes, God still speaks today. He still speaks today because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I know he still speaks today because that's his character. He does not change. He cannot lie. God spoke creation into existence. The Bible is filled with story after story of God speaking to his people. In fact, the Bible is God speaking to his people in all kinds of ways, at all different times, to all sorts of people. And here's how I say it, and you've heard me say this before, God is a talker. He's a talker. And almost every day when I pray, I ask the Lord, Lord, will you speak to me today? Speak to me throughout the day. Get my attention. Now, I can be pretty hard-headed, but I have learned that if I'm prepared, if I'm aware, and if I'm listening, the Spirit of God is constantly speaking and helping and guiding and we can see in Scripture that God clearly wants to be intimate in an intimate relationship with his people. He wants to be able to fellowship with you. He wants to speak to you. And so the questions are, to me, can you hear him? And if not, how can you hear him? And if you do hear him, then what? So those questions. So I want to give you a little context about what's been happening here in Scripture in 1 Samuel. Uh, up until this point. And I, and I want to point out why God has uh, been silent. And then I have three ways that we can hear God's voice. 
So Israel was in a state of rebellion against God. Surprise, surprise. I know that's a shocker to some of you. But they were in a state of rebellion. And God had said, uh, I will be your God and you will be my people. I want to be your God. I want to be the one who leads you. God had called Israel to be a set apart, to be a holy people, uh, uh, to look different than any other nations in the world. He set them apart to do that. But Israel was looking to the right and to the left, and they saw that the other nations had kings. Huh, they've got a king. And so they wanted a king too. So they wanted to be like everybody else. They thought it would legitimize them as a nation. So Israel was becoming a secular nation. So you see, they were moving away. God said, I'll be your God, you be my people. But they were looking and they were getting further and further away. They were becoming a secular nation, wanting to be like the other nations, like the world. You see that picture? And in their rebellion, which that is rebellion, by the way, what happened is they deprioritized their attention on the things of God. By the way, that naturally happens. Eli, which we'll read about in a moment, was a priest and he had two sons. Eli was, he was a godly priest. Scripture, though, describes Eli's sons as scoundrels. That's the word it uses. They were scoundrels. And it said that they had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. So here are two preachers of a preacher. And they were stealing from God. They didn't care for the house of God. They were disobedient. Uh, they were flippant in their responses. They were manipulative to the people. Uh, they abused their position as priests for personal gain. And God was very offended by the sins of these preacher boys. Now, Eli, their father, he was a godly man. But he turned a blind eye to his two sons. He, he turned a blind eye to their behavior. And people were starting to complain to Eli about the behavior of his sons. And so Eli said, now y'all boys, y'all better settle down. Stop it now. But that's about all he did. He didn't do anything to correct their behavior. He didn't do anything to stop them. And finally, God spoke to Eli. And he told him, see, I've entrusted you and your sons as mediators between me and my people. I've entrusted you. And then God held Eli accountable. And he says, why have you given your sons more honor than you give me? Because Eli didn't do anything about it. So then God says, it's true, I've given your line, I've given your line the position as priest. I want you to follow me. He says, it's true, I've given your line of the position as priests, but I honor those who honor me, and I despise those who think light of me. Now remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God honors those who honor him, and he despises those who think lightly of him. In other words, God was saying to them, you might have the position, 
but I'm removing my anointing from you. You might hold the pastor position. You might hold the Christian position, but I'm removing my anointing from your life. See, here's the deal. Just because we have a position in the kingdom doesn't automatically mean that we hold the Lord's favor. In fact, God told Eli, because of your pride and rebellion against me, I'm cutting off your family. See, most of them, God said, most of them will die early. I'm going to shorten their life because of their rebellion against me. And those of your family who don't die, I will make them live in misery and watch me bless everybody else around you. That's how serious God was. And then God says, then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire for them to do. Now, that's where Samuel comes in. Here comes Samuel. There is something I need you to know. God has a plan, and he invites us to be a part of his plan. And in doing so, he gives us purpose and meaning. But he's not going to make you do your part of his plan. Are you following me? Okay. If we live in rebellion against God, if we choose to live in rebellion against God, if we continue to insist on doing things our way, God will not let his plans go unintended because of our stubbornness. He will raise up someone else to accomplish his purpose. You follow me? Okay. Now in this passage, Samuel was that guy. He was that guy. Samuel's mother, Hannah, uh, was unable to have children, so she thought. So she cried out to God for a miracle. And she told the Lord, she said, if you bless me and give me a child, I will give him back to serve you for his whole life. I'll give him to you to serve his whole life. So God answered Hannah's prayer. And she gave birth to Samuel. And as promised... Hannah took Samuel to the temple and left him there to be raised in the presence of the Lord and be of service to Eli, the priest. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Earlier in chapter 2, before we read our passage, I'm just setting it up for you. Earlier in chapter 2, verse 18, it says, first in verse Samuel 2, 18, it says, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the, who did he serve? The Lord. That's important to note. In, in verse 21 of this chapter, it says, meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And in verse 26, it, it says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. Now, in our passage, we're going to see God start starting to speak to Samuel. And we're going to see what we can learn from this passage about hearing God's voice. I'm going to ask if you would stand in the honor of reading of God's word. We're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us as we read and as we study the word together. And then we'll read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Would you join me in prayer, please? Lord, we honor you today. We bless you, Lord. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy, Lord, of, of blessing. And Lord, we, we bless you in the way that we humble ourselves 
Lord, and say to you right now that we desperately need you. And we need you to come and be with us. We need to hear a word from you. We are needy people. Would you touch us through your word? Holy Spirit, would you reveal the truth of your word? And in humility, Lord, we approach your scripture today. Reveal yourself in power, even as we read in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Remain standing. Here we go. Uh, Chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read as long as I want to. All right, so I've already given you all the backdrop, so here we go. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. It's important how Scripture worded that. The boy Samuel served who? Not Eli. He served the Lord by assisting Eli. Just note that. Okay. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. I'll explain that in a minute. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Now, the ark of God is what does that represent? The presence of God. That's where the presence of God dwells. So he's 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 staying near the presence of God. Just get that picture. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. I don't know what Lord sounds like, but if he sounds like anything, I'm going to Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Well, here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. That's an that's an important verse. So the Lord called a third time. This is good. The Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli realized it. So he said to Samuel, Samuel, go and lay down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to the end. Now, I told you what those threats were, okay? He was going to cut them off. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, but Eli called to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord tell you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hold anything back from me. I imagine Samuel was like, Ixnay on the... Mm. 
So Samuel told Eli everything, and he didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear in Shiloh and gave messages, look at that, and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. If you're taking notes, here's number one. If you want to hear God's voice, God speaks to surrendered people. God speaks to surrendered people. God doesn't speak to special people. God speaks to surrendered people. Well, I'm saved, pastor. Does that mean that I'm already surrendered? I've I've given my heart to the Lord. Does that mean? If you look up the word surrendered, it means to stop resistance to or to submit to the authority of another one or to yield. Now, for Samuel, he didn't just assist Eli. I kind of pointed that out as we were reading. He didn't just assist Eli. Assisting Eli was not Samuel's mission. Scripture makes that clear. Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli in the temple. See, Samuel was acting out of obedience to the Lord in his service. In other words, his heart was pure before the Lord in his service. I'm going to say something that might shock you at first, but you're going to catch on. I am not called to serve this church as pastor. Now, it's a shocking statement, but hang with me. Because if that were true, I would have to be surrendered to the church. But I have not surrendered my life to you. You follow me? I am called by God to surrender to him and what he says to do. And then in my surrender to God, he directs me in this position. Same thing with Eli. Eli served the Lord and assisted Eli. Samuel served the Lord, assisted Eli. Now, one might say, well, that's just semantics. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Because there was a time in my life where I was surrendered to the cause in Jesus' name. And remember, we talked about that last week, being surrendered to the cause and not to the person of Christ. There was a time in my life where I was surrendered to the church in Jesus' name. I was surrendered to the ministry, to the church, and I put everything else, I put I put it above everything else. See, but I was not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. My priorities were out of order, even though I was doing a good thing. See, I was doing good things in Jesus' name, but I, your pastor, I was void of the supernatural empowerment of the Spirit of God in my life. And instead of using the work of ministry to equip people to surrender their lives to Christ, I was using people to equip the ministry. You see the difference? It's subtle. 
It wasn't until I surrendered my life and, and the ministry to the Lord. And he began to take control and was able to fill me and equip me for his calling on my life that I experienced the supernatural empowerment of the Spirit of God on my life, which ultimately then led to the birthing of this church. This is not what I had planned. This is not what I had surrendered to. And until I surrendered to the Lord, did he open this door? Let me ask you. Have you surrendered your life not to his service, but to him? Has there been a time in your life where you said, Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have to offer me. I want to hear you and I want to obey you. Take over every area of my life. I surrender to you. It's all yours. It's all yours. See, when I came to that place of personal surrender, there was a significant change in my relationship with the Lord. And one of the significant things that changed was that he started dealing with me more. He started to deal with me more. He began to speak more. He began to reveal things in his word more. He brought forth spiritual gifts more. I was maturing spiritually. Transformation was happening in my life when I surrendered to the person of Jesus Christ and not to the cause. See, when people come to the Lord with pure hearts and surrender to his leadership, to his lordship in their lives, he will begin speaking. I promise you that. And we will hear it and begin to follow. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them, they follow me. See, a follower of Jesus is not just someone who says, I am a Christian, I follow Jesus, and then it makes it so. You cannot speak it so. See, a follower of Jesus is someone who spends time with him. You subject yourself to his leadership. A follower of Jesus knows the voice of the shepherd. So the logical question is, how do I get to know Jesus's voice? There are two answers to that question, faith and time. Faith and time. See, here's the deal. I know Carolyn's voice and she knows my voice. We've made it a priority to spend time in our relationship together as a married couple. You, you right? So when I call Carolyn, I don't say, "Hey Carolyn, it's me, Daniel." Hey Carolyn, guess who? I don't do that. And she doesn't have to ask me if I say, hey, Carol, and she, and she goes, who's this? We got a problem. The reason why is we've spent time together. We know each other's voice. We know each other's voice. Now, it's the same way with God's voice. Same exact way. There is no difference. There is no difference. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. In other words, I'm going to position myself and make it a priority of time to get to know what he has to say through prayer and his word so that I can grow in faith and obey and serve him. I'm going to take the time to get to know him. By the way, if you keep reading in Romans 10, where I just pulled that verse from, there's an interesting dialogue that happens. See, Paul is quoting scripture when he's saying that to the Romans. He's quoting scripture from Psalms. He does a little bit from Deuteronomy. He does a little bit from Isaiah of God speaking to his people. 
See, the question that's raised there in Romans 10, 18, he says, have the people actually heard the message? He's quoting the Lord. Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth. The people have heard the message and, and the words to all the world. It's gone out. But I asked, did the people of Israel really understand? The answer to that question was, yes, they did. See, the message was so clear that even people that were not looking for the Lord found the Lord. And then God said, all day long, I opened my arms to my people, but they were disobedient and rebellious. She was saying, did the word go out? Yes. Did they hear it? Yes. Did they understand it? Yes. So much so that people that aren't even my people were looking after me, but my people, I was stretched out all day long, but they did not come. They were rebellious toward me. They did not want to hear what I had to say to them. I need you to hear me today. It was by his grace that he made his word known to his people. They heard it. They understood it, but they refused to listen to his voice. Now, let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a time when the Lord came a-calling and you knew he was a-speaking, but you just refused what he was a-saying? Romans 12, 1 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't go secular on me. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What was Paul saying here? He's saying... Go over, give over, give over your whole selves, submitted, surrendered completely to God and his way. That's the way we glorify and serve him. Now, when we're doing that, we will learn to hear what he has to say. We will learn what God's will is for our life and he'll equip us to do it. See, it takes faith to submit and surrender and then time. Some might think, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a theologian. I, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I haven't been a Christian very long. I don't know. Well, neither was Samuel. Uh, Samuel was young, maybe 12. He'd never been to seminary. He didn't have a title. He isn't a priest. He was just a surrendered young boy that was in proximity to the presence of God. Did you catch that when we were reading it, by the way? He was in proximity to the presence of God. Now, I want you to look back, 1 Samuel 3, 1. It says, now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Or some translations say they were scarce. Now, the first thing I thought was, well, God wasn't talking very much then. But when I dug into it, I realized that wasn't the case at all. Rare here in the Hebrew, you know what it means? Uh, well, one, it doesn't mean, it does not mean barely in existence. That's not what it meant. It means precious, splendid, and weighty. The word of the law was rare. 
scarce or uh, uncommon in the Hebrew means to break through. Okay? You could say it this way. His precious words could not break through in those days. You follow me? Okay. In other words, the issue was not that God didn't have anything to say. That was not the issue. The issue was that no one was able to hear what he was saying. That was the issue. Because of the hardness of their hearts among the people of Israel and the corruption in the priesthood, God could not be heard. You remember that passage? Uh, I think it's in, I, I forget where it is. It might be in John where it says uh, there was a town that G, it said Jesus could not do could not do any miracles there. Now, let me ask you this. Was Jesus, did he have all power to do any miracle he wanted to do there? Why didn't, wasn't he able to do the miracles there? Because the people didn't believe and accept. If they don't hear, same thing. God is speaking, but the people could not hear. God will speak. He is speaking. He is guiding. When his people seek him, when his ministers, and that's all of us, by the way, we're ministers, seek and surrender to him. That's when we'll begin to hear him. Here's number two. If you want to hear God's voice, you have to learn to hear God's voice. You got to learn. All right. Now look back at verse seven, first Samuel three, seven it says Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. He grew up in a secular world, or he was born into a secular world, and he was young. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Good for Eli. And he said to Samuel, go and lie down. And if someone calls you again, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. Now, God speaks. Samuel doesn't recognize that it's God speaking because he doesn't know what God sounds like. We've all been there. He's never heard God speak. His spiritual ears have not been trained to hear God. He doesn't know what to listen for, so he doesn't know the way that God speaks. We could probably all relate to Eli at some level. Maybe some of you do today. So he goes to Eli three times. He goes to him. Finally, Eli realizes the kid's not crazy. It's not bad hummus. He's God's just trying to speak to him. And Eli gives instructions and he teaches him what to do, how to listen, and then how to respond. He says, go lay down, rest in the same place, wait, listen if he speaks, respond, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. See, I think that is a beautiful and most right approach to the Lord. That's just my personal opinion. Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel is among several others who said, here I am, your servant is listening. Uh, Abraham in Genesis 22.1 says, here I am, Lord, speak. Jacob in Genesis uh, 46.2 said, here I am, Lord, speak. Moses in Exodus 3.4 said, here I am, Lord, speak. Isaiah in Isaiah 6.8 says, here I am, Lord, speak. And Ananias in Acts 9.10 says, here I am, your servant is ready. Now, Eli had to teach Samuel. It did not come naturally for him. For some it may, but for me and for Samuel, it may 
It did not. Now, once you look back at verse eight, it says, then the Lord called a third time. Now, here's something we can learn. I, I just picked this up. This is a little sidebar. When God is speaking to us, God almost, almost always confirms his word again and again. If God speaks, he will confirm, and often in a variety of ways. Can anybody testify to that? Okay. See, Eli gives Samuel wise counsel. He says, go. He says, go, lie down. If he calls you, answer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, Samuel, go make yourself available for go for God to speak. Go get quiet. Go lay down and get quiet. Make yourself available. Then he says, don't be presumptuous about God speaking because he says, if he calls back to you again. Don't presume, but if he does. Then he says, respond to the word of God, speak, Lord. Then he says, humble yourself before God and his word by saying, your servant is listening. Do you see those rich instructions that he gave him? See, here's the bottom line. We need to learn to hear from God. See, what about you? What's, what, about, what say you? See, do you need to learn how to listen to God's voice? Now, unfortunately, Unfortunately, there is no one size fits all at the listening seminar. Okay, there's not one. Okay. Uh, but fortunately, God can speak in many different ways. And guess what? God knows your listening language, He knows what you need to get your attention, He knows what to do. So it's no trouble for Him to speak to you. No problem. Hebrews 1.1 says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways. Many ways. Here's just a few. In Jonah 1.4, in Jonah he spoke in circumstances. Proverbs 19.20, it was counsel. In Philippians 4.7, he spoke through peace. In Acts 21.10 through 12, he spoke through his people. In Genesis 28 and 37, 1 Kings 3, Acts 10, Revelation 1, it was dreams and visions. In John 14, it was thoughts. In Romans 1, it was natural manifestations throughout the world. In Exodus 3, it was supernatural manifestations. In Romans 10, it was the scriptures, the Bible. In 1 Kings 19, it was a gentle whisper. Do you see? You see, God's got many ways of communicating to his people. One thing you can be sure of when God speaks, no matter how he speaks, it will always align with his character that's portrayed in his word. It will never contradict his word. Never, 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 never will it contradict his word. Now, three ways we hear him speak most would be through the word, through his Holy Spirit, and through his people. Those are three major ways that we hear him. Okay. Now, keeping that in mind, I want you to, I want to teach you three practical things that we can do to learn to hear God speak. Are right, you ready? I want you to just, because I just want to teach you three practical things. Number one, set aside a place. Set aside a place. See, okay, obviously God can speak anywhere. Yes or no? Yep, he can speak in the car. He can speak walking in a room. He can speak, he can speak anywhere, any, anywhere he wants to. But there is something special, and I believe honoring, about setting a place where you meet with God. There have been times when the Lord has told me to go find me, go meet me. And I have come to find out that the Lord loves a meeting place. And then for me personally, it's those meeting places where he just downloads. When I'm positioned myself and I'm ready to hear, when I get myself rid of distractions, I have a place that's dedicated, free of distractions. That's when he does a lot of his speaking. Number two. Set aside a time. 
Now, I want you to hear me. This is not legalistic. You can't be legalistic about it. The principle here is priority. I want everybody to hear me. We're not legalistic about a time. It's priority. That's what the Lord cares about. Okay. If we think though, in terms of first fruits, the first part of the day can make sense to spend with the Lord. If we think in those terms. Now, I want to remind you, it doesn't matter because some people, it's at night before they go to bed. I didn't matter to the Lord. He's not bound by time. We are. Okay. So just, just know, just hear me say that. Uh, but the psalmist kind of gives us a clue. Jesus' pattern gives us a clue. He says, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. See, I, I do believe that there's something significant about the mornings. I do. Uh, the first fruits of our day, the first fruits of our time and our thoughts. But again, it, it doesn't matter. The time of day, it matters the priority of the heart. You you follow me? You with me? Okay. But uh, set aside a time. Here's the third Set aside a plan. Set aside a plan. In other words, don't just go in willy-nilly, okay, in your time with the Lord. Uh, our God is a God of order. He always has a plan. And when I meet with the Lord, I, I have a plan. And, and I, like to, I like to worship the Lord. I, I, you know, like we did today in our worship time, I, I, sometimes if I, if I don't have a song, I'll just bless the Lord. I'll just spend time blessing it out loud. I'll just say, Lord, I bless you for this. I bless you. I, you know what I've discovered? The more I bless, the more I find a blessing for. Like when I just start, if it's a little hard and I get that, get it going, it becomes, and before too long, what I recognize is the presence of God has come in where when I bless him, when I pray, when I worship him, he shows up. So I meet with him. I bring my word. I bring a journal, a write anything the Lord says to me, anything I just want to pray about, I write it, whatever. Uh, if I have a, a Bible reading plan or if I have a devotional book to help guide me at some point, a pen and a highlighter. Here's the point. Here's the point. Be prepared to hear and take in what he says to you. I think that's wise. God doesn't always speak the same way through the same methods, but we can do our part to try to be po uh, position ourselves where we can hear. So those are the three things where we can learn. So we have to learn to hear his voice. Here's the third point to the message, and then I'm done. When God speaks, it is for transformation. When God speaks, it is for transformation. I want you to look back at verse 11. It says, and the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he didn't have, he, and he hadn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offering. Now, the first thing that God says to Samuel is a tough message. I mean, that's a hard one. The Lord actually uncovers the sins of his boss's family. Now, God speaks encouraging words to us, but God will also bring sin up to the surface that needs to be dealt with. God likes to uncover issues. He's the great uncoverer. Why? 
Because God doesn't speak to give us information. He speaks to bring about transformation. And he's going to work to uncover anything in your life that would stand in the way of his transformation in your life. Even if it's painful, he loves you that much. He'll do the hard work. Now, in this passage, God speaks revealing a word to Samuel about Eli and what's going on in the nation. Now, God will reveal things to us about others and about other situations that we're in to help guide us through them. Okay, you know that to be true. But what I have found is more often, God will bring up things in our lives that he wants us to work on. There's something wrong if all you think you hear God say is meant for somebody else. If you leave church every week and you say, man, I wish that other person was here to hear that. If that's what you think every time, there's something wrong with that. Because God will speak for our transformation first. And you can bet that when Samuel heard God's voice for the first time, it was transformational for him. Now, I want you to look at verse 15. It says, Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors to the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. I understand that. But Eli called out to him saying, Samuel, my son, here I am. Come on, tell me. What did the Lord say? This is going to be good. I can tell already. I could just picture them sitting down at the breakfast table and Eli just be like, what did Jesus say? What did God say to you? I want to hear it. And, and Samuel saying there, <clears throat> Samuel wakes up. He's afraid to bring up what the Lord talked to, to reveal to him. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to deal with it. See, here's the deal. This happens often. See, when God reveals, you know what we want to do? We want to conceal. He reveals, we want to conceal. See, we, want, we don't want to deal with it or talk about it. We want to keep the issue undercover. But the truth is, we will never overcome what we refuse to uncover. When we leave unrepentant sin alone, it becomes a foothold for the enemy. And then we, then if he finds a foothold, if the enemy, oh, there's a foothold, then it will quickly become a stronghold. And the stronghold will then become a stumbling block to us hearing and responding to the voice of God. You better believe that's what Satan wanted for the nation of Israel. And he wanted to keep everything tampered down with Eli and the boys. But Samuel was willing. See, for Samuel, I believe a transformation happened in Samuel's life, even in the difficulty of the message that God had to him deliver. Transformation for us often happens as God speaks to us during difficult times in our lives. Yes or no? Yes. During those tough messages that he has just for us. During those zingers that we don't like and they don't make us feel good. But I want you to look what happened. See, from that point forward, after Samuel did the hard work of obeying the Lord, from that point forward, the Lord began to grow Samuel in the ability to hear from the Lord. From that point forward, look at verse 19 and 21. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and everything Samuel said proved to be 
reliable, meaning to be reliable that he was hearing from the Lord. And all of Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. Finally, the Lord's been speaking all along, even though it said we could hear him. Finally, there's somebody. And guess what? We hear messages from the Lord again. In other words, everybody from New York City to Miami, Florida, knew that Samuel was continually hearing from the Lord and was faithful with God's word. That's how you could say that. Why? Because as hard as it was, he acted on what God told him to do. I want to tell you this. If we live lives in disobedience and rebellion, you will not hear God's voice. You can be saved. You can be saved. You can be marked. You sure can. But you can still live in the flesh and in rebellion against the Spirit of God. Yes or no? And if you are, You can read this word all day long, but if you're in rebellion against God, it's like putting your fingers in your ear and the more rebellion, you just shove them deeper and the more rebellion, you just shove it deeper and the more rebellion, you just turn your back and you walk away. See, it's proximity. It's proximity to the presence of the Lord. The closer you get and how do you get closer? Through obedience. Through obedience. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's speaking today. And if you've heard his voice in anything, if you want to hear his voice more, you take a step and say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. I hadn't been listening. I'm sorry I haven't been listening. I have not positioned myself. We don't even have a time. It's not a priority. I haven't done that. But today, I want to hear your voice. Yes, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. You could be like Samuel. You could be like Samuel and have never heard the voice of the Lord. But he's calling to you. And you'd be like, is that the Lord? And if you answer him in an of obedience, you'll be tuning your ear to hear from him. And it will transform your life. I'm telling you that. It will transform your life. <laughs> 